0: Again, for Not Just Rainbows and Unicorns, a podcast made with love in Kalamazoo, Michigan by Nicole and Michael Van Putten. We take topics we find interesting and research them online. Then we get together each week and we talk about them. You can visit us online at notjustrainbows.net. There you can view show notes, add your comments, and send us questions and suggestions for future episodes. So it's kind of a special podcast that we get to do today. We are podcasting from our kitchen. It's still Saturday morning, but it's Saturday morning from the kitchen. What are we doing today in the kitchen, Nicole? This is different.
1: It is. It's a little unique. It's, first of all, it's Michael's birthday.
0: Happy birthday to me. Hey.
1: Yeah. So we're making cookies. I kind of... I kind of neglected. Usually, I do. Usually, I do a birthday week, and I do all this crazy stuff. Oh, it's not crazy. Usually, I go all out for birthday week. So you do I- go
0: big when it comes to birthdays. Yeah, I do.
1: But we we've had kind of we've had kind of a rough couple of weeks in our life.
0: What a job change, insurance adventures, a car crash. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're right. We have had a lot of things that have kind of happened. <laughs>
1: we've had. We've had some adjustments that we've had to make, so birthday week has been a little more casual than it normally is. So I did not do as much as I usually do. So there was not a lot of baking. So today I'm kind of playing catch up.
0: Catch so what up. are we yeah. what are we baking? What are we looking at?
1: Well, we're looking at cookies cuz I normally do like 3 kinds of cookies cuz you because you really like cookies.
0: I love cookies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> And these are ketogenic cookies. These aren't normal cookies.
0: They are cookies that I can have.
1: Right. You had sugar-free ketogenic sugar cookies in the freezer that I had kind of socked away. That you discovered the, the key last week. The word here is
0: had. Yeah, you. They, ate, you they ate don't them. exist anymore. You
1: ate them all. Yeah. <laughs> God, you ate them all. There was a whole bag of sugar cookies. I didn't realize you ate them all. Oh they're gone now.
0: I limited myself to three a day.
1: Oh my god yeah he well, he ate them all. So um, I have options here. You have snickerdoodle or peanut butter. Those are the two I'm willing to make today. I'm That's... gonna go with
0: peanut butter. Really? Yeah, I like I peanut butter.
1: put money on snickerdoodle. You really like those snickerdoodle I cookies.
0: Do. I I'm a lover of all cookies.
1: They are the snickerdoodle are a of a pain in the neck to make. I
0: picked the right one then.
1: And well, the peanut butter are a pain in the neck to make too. They're all a pain in the neck to make. <laughs> yes.
0: Why are you making cookies with your neck? <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, I. Oh, yeah. Most of these recipes are from a, a website called Nom Nom. G N O M. G N O M.
0: G N O M. G N O M. G N O M. G N O M.
1: Yeah, it's kind of fun to say. And we'll link it in the blog because it's a good recipe and I've made some alterations because that's, that's how I, that's how I do things. Um, yeah. So I'm going to make cookies and Michael's going to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. I don't know. Make
0: good observations related to cookies or to other stuff because I'm focused.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it might be a little loud because I tend to Bang around a lot in the kitchen.
0: You're entering a cookie construction zone.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm not a quiet baker. I make a lot of noise.
0: And our girls are with us. Mina and Clementine are laying within inches of our heels on the kitchen floor. And just keeping an eye to make sure that there aren't, you know, contributions that they can make to test things out for us.
1: Yeah, so this should be interesting. It's either going to be totally unlistenable or... Yeah. Fantastic.
0: Let's do this.
1: Away we go. All right. Yeah.
0: So where do we begin?
1: Uh, We begin by um, putting the eggs, because we have cold eggs, we have to put them in warm water. And I know you're going to be thinking, why are we putting the eggs in warm water? Because you need room temperature eggs. Um, Never cook with cold eggs. Never bake with cold eggs, because... Um, it affects the recipe. Why, you ask? I have no idea. Just, say why. just don't do it. That's my advice to you. Just don't do it. Room temperature eggs. Always room temperature. So just take your freezing cold eggs and put them in a bowl or a cup and put them in hot water for, I don't know, a few minutes and they'll come up to room temperature. Or if you have time, set them on the counter for a couple hours, but I frankly am not that patient. So put them in hot water. That's what I'm doing right now. Putting them in hot water. In hot water. There we go. All right. And then of course you have to get the rest of the ingredients out. So my eggs are sitting and I'm getting the rest of the stuff out.
0: Can I fetch any bowls or Things for yeah, you. I
1: need a big bowl, the big glass bowl big that's in the cupboard over there. Up. And maybe you can tell people, um, all the nice people out there, what we uh, watched while we weren't thinking about the new car, the new used car that we have to spend $9 million on.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, I, th- I would say that this past week for us in terms of Netflix watching would be... Um, Well, two things. One, kind of a documentary week. We watched a couple documentaries and we also watched some sketch comedy stuff. And on the documentary side of things we watched, well, the one that I really enjoyed a lot was um, two that we saw on Netflix. They did a partnership with the New York Times and did some documentaries. And the first one we watched was about Elon Musk and Tesla. And Nicole and I were both aware of Elon, but didn't know all of his background.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, I thought he was just an okay guy. He's kind of a jerk.
0: The, the, the uh, documentary did make him look potentially that way. He's also super smart. Like, he has changed a lot of things. But, like, we, we didn't specifically know how he came to have the wealth and influence that he did. And he kind of came that by that being a co-founder of PayPal, and prior to that, a couple other um, startups as well. Um, kind of the, the tone of the documentary was about the rollout of the Tesla cars, types of promises that he, as kind of a tech visionary, makes, which is oftentimes over I think one of the laugh-out-loud moments of the documentary, spoiler alert if you're going to watch it, is that When Elon would be giving these press conferences or keynote speeches that he would announce ideas and features, oftentimes that would be the first time that his engineering team would hear of the idea, like the idea of an articulated power cord that when you pulled your (laughs) Tesla up to it, that it would plug itself in, which is actually a thing I think that that, that they did.
1: It would be like you going to work and your boss had already announced on national TV that you had created something amazing, but you had not created that amazing thing yet. And you saw it on the news the night before. And it wasn't
0: like a hey, the, the exterior is going to be blue. Yeah, it's something it, that requires engineering yeah, and coding and science. It would be like
1: you created a robot that had cured famine. We're going to make an
0: innovation. Boom. Right.
1: It would, it's like an insane creation. And you're thinking, wait a minute. Did I do that? I didn't do that. Yeah, Elon Musk was telling people that his employees had done this amazing thing that they had not done.
0: So part of the, the focus and drama, I think, was around the idea of autonomous driving um, and some of the phases that...
1: Right, self-driving cars. Yeah,
0: that Tesla has gone through over the years and how the promise of completely autonomous self-driving cars is being right around the corner. Um, and yet it not quite being there and technical challenges. And they were talking about beta testers who were having access to things and kind of how they would release the software for self-driving cars that was designed primarily for use on straight lane highways. So not getting on or off the entrance or the exit ramps, just driving on the highway and people using these in other specialized road conditions, which can become more complex. And um, it focused on the story of a couple accidents where the people were in autonomous mode, their hands may have been near the steering wheel, but essentially the car was driving itself. And like a big rig was turning across lanes of traffic in front of them and the car AI system thought that it was an overpass and so kept driving and sheared the top of the car right off with the driver's top with it so the, there were fatalities in both of those cases and so the, part of the the documentary or controversy was around how tesla talked about that and what promises they made and if they blamed the drivers or not um, and then they were talking to the national highway transportation safety group and they evidently had advised tesla to limit where the auto drive could be used, meaning if you've only designed it for highways, only let it be used on highways, don't let it be used on back roads and things like that.
1: Right. Well, what they said, the problem with the software was is that the the this, the software of the car could not tell the difference between a a white semi truck and a overpass bridge, which is a crazy thing for a car to not be able to tell the difference between. Because if you think about it, you're driving down the highway, and your car cannot tell the difference between a bridge and a truck. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. Yeah,
0: I do like that they balanced it with you know, the good intention of having autonomous driving is because of all of the fatalities that happen each year they're more right. often than not due to human error, right. and so there's like, the potential of actually saving lives if they can get this to work.
1: Yeah, they said there were like 39,000 crash fatalities on the road every year.
0: Yeah, I think and that like 90% the of them, or like some very high number, was due to human error. Right, yeah. So I see your uh, you know, cookie update. You've got Looks like some sugar and some molasses <laughs> in, in the bottom here. This is looking very promising. It's not quite cookies yet, but.
1: Right. This is a black strap molasses, which some people might think is not ketogenic, but it's very low glycemic index and it's really healthy for you. Um, molasses has a, I don't know, it's, I'll. I'll do the reading and post it because I don't know what it is. Molasses, I think, is high in iron, I think. Michael has anemia, and so molasses is very healthy for you. And so I like these cookies for him. And then it uses uh, erythritol and stevia and monk fruit. And then these cookies are actually pretty simple. So it's erythritol, a little bit of molasses, egg, peanut butter, and then... um, sea salt there's no flour in them at all no uh almond flour so if you're uh, allergic to nuts these cookies are perfect for someone who can't have coconut flour or almond flour any of the gums like xanthan gum or any of the protein powders these are really really good cookies michael can attest to that they're very very tasty
0: Part of the challenge with ketogenic cookies and any type of baked goods is that typically the ingredients that give the final cookie a specific texture, mouthfeel, taste, the ketogenic ones usually are not so great. They either could be really, really dry or just kind of a weird squishiness. This is one that actually walks and talks and tastes like a real cookie, which is nice because I love me some cookies. She has just put a couple eggs into the mix. These were the ones that you brought up to room temperature in, in warm water. It's fascinating to me, all these tips and tricks that Nicole has found over time for doing baked goods because she, she's the type of person like me, if I was going to bake something, I have to literally follow the recipe. She looks at recipes. And kind of like a chemist can tweak things for different results or like as she's tasting it as it's being put together she can make little riffs and improvements to it to make it better and she's also very well known for doing test bakes to see how a variation of a cookie uh comes out so i definitely won the cookie lottery when i married nicole
1: I have to use the mixer, and that's going to be super duper loud. So we're going to pause for a mixing break.
0: All right, looks like you got your mixing all done.
1: The mixing is done. All right, do you want crunchy or creamy peanut butter? Crunchy. Crunchy it is.
0: So the eggs have been incorporated into the mix.
1: We're back in business. You have to uh, mix it with the mixer so that the... um, The eggs and the sweetener get all frothy. They have a party. And then...
0: (laughs) Like that they have a party.
1: Yeah. And then you add the vanilla and the peanut butter. It's a lot of peanut butter because you're not putting any flour in there. So it's a lot of peanut butter
0: the other documentary that we watched same series on Netflix spoiler alert again
1: oh yeah it's the new york the new york times one yeah.
0: yeah the new york times documentary series on Netflix i don't remember if it's called something specific or not maybe we can link it in the show notes we
1: will it's just it's by the new york times i think it's called new york times presents oh, it's on fx
0: cool so the other one that was really fascinating to us was the story about a 13 year old who was really savvy with technology and he had yeah, it sounded like he kind of got his start in a game called Minecraft yes which is a really fun interesting game it's a game I play and you can play it individually you can play it online but it's kind of like I liken it to Legos in It looks like a Lego bricks. World. yes you can you can build whatever you want you basically can kind of play the game how you want to and so a lot of people build worlds, build architectures and, and other kinds of things and evidently there are premium or limited drop items that can be had in this game. so there was some kind of cape that the characters could wear which I think like okay, it's cute it's a cape. But here's the thing. Evidently, it's so sought after, players will pay anywhere from $100 to $300 for this cape. For a digital cape, which basically they could release to everybody, but they sell them. And so this kid kind of got known for, uh, in the hacking world, what they call social engineering. So it's not necessarily using computers to hack people. It may be done in conjunction with technology, but it's playing on... Um, just basic human interaction and building trust. It's kind of like being a con man. And people were getting angry at this kid because he would list these capes for sale, collect the money, and then never deliver it. And he would get really <laughs> sassy with people. And was like, what are you going to do? Sue me, I'm a 13-year-old. And so he started to get kind of notorious. And along with that he knew a lot about computers and hacking and when people would try to hold him accountable for stuff he would hack their accounts and take control of all of their stuff he evidently was so good at this that he made hundreds of thousands of dollars with various digital scams that he was doing or stealing or scamming bitcoin from people and how he became ultimately really well known was for doing some kind of coordinated attack against Twitter. This was a couple years back. I think I kind of remember reading about it, but they managed to hack Twitter, which is a little bit more of a rare thing to do. It it does happen and everything, but they would essentially social engineer their way into the company with low-level employees. They would call them up on the phone and say, hi, I'm with tech support, or they would uh, call the mobile phone stores and pretend that they're internal tech support and get people to log into a web address that they would give them, which would essentially be like an internal site and harvest their username and password. And once they have the username and password, then they could clone phones and take over people's phone numbers. And then once they had that, then they could compromise their email accounts and so on. And so he had done this to some angel investor guy and had like a million dollars worth of Bitcoin from him and somehow got into and hacked Twitter and was essentially auctioning off access online to celebrity accounts or um, I like that they had this term that they refer to as OG accounts um, which I don't know if it's short for original or old guy or whatever but OG accounts are typically the usernames that get registered first when a, a new network goes online, so like single-letter usernames, um, usernames like God or Ralph, or just ones that are really unique and might be sought after, they were auctioning these off, and they were. He was so bold that he was actually posting these cryptocurrency scams on famous people's accounts, and he ultimately got caught and. Through this network of hackers, there was some another younger kid in the UK and other people around the world. Ultimately, he got caught. And yeah, because he,
1: he was not posting this on like second-tier celebrities. He this was he posted this on hundreds of. This is like Obama, Barack yeah, Obama, Joe account. Biden, Kim Kardashian. These are, this is like huge famous people's account and hundreds of them so this is super duper duper famous people like the famous people's accounts
0: i think the the documentary left off that he was in custody and hadn't been his case had not been completed yet but he was facing something like over 200 years
1: 210 of
0: years of yep prison but the the interesting point of view on this was that um, some people had raised concerns about him in the past, but he wasn't prosecuted typically because minors oftentimes won't be prosecuted at the federal level. The right, laws and he the was infrastructure weren't really developed for that. And the easy access to technology and time and motivation and young people are very, very smart. It's becoming more of a common problem where, um, you know, they have different decision making Uh, abilities or they've dealt with bullying and this is a way for them to feel power Um, but essentially kind of a lesson of the world hasn't really considered how this equalizing platform of the internet can be used beyond accessibility and equity it can be used for minors to become big time Crime
1: right. People. And they, they did talk about how these kids could have used these Twitter accounts like they had the account of the president and they could have used it to start a war. They could have right. used it to Tank the economy, really big things and instead they used it to do a minor cryptocurrency scam. So yeah. they did it. Or to post their names on celebrity accounts. So they they did a terrible thing. They hacked Twitter. But they used their hacking ability in a way that a teenager would do. A a teenager, I hate to say this because I hate when people discern between boys and girls, but they did what a typical teenage boy would do with time on their hands. They posted their name on Twitter because that's what a teenage boy would do.
0: And not their official name, their their hacker name. Yeah, right? it
1: was their, their handle name. because, you know, who wouldn't want to see their name on Twitter in the place of a, you know, Barack Obama? That's fun.
0: <laughs> I think the other, like, generational cultural thing that was interesting that they pointed out was that um, a lot of these younger hackers who are pulling scams like this, they... You know, they take the money and and they buy lots of things, so they'll buy Gucci or they'll buy really expensive phones or things like that. And one of the things that evidently is really common is they will go to a club. I don't know how they would get access to the club, I guess, if they can hack. Getting a fake ID is not hard, but they would buy bottles of like Dom Perignon or whatever like the most expensive alcohol is. And they wouldn't drink it, they would pour it over well, their yeah. expensive wristwatches onto the floor. Yeah, they would as just kind dump of it like out. A flaunting like of an
1: F you to the economy that. and to everybody who's paying attention. Yeah. Which is kind of
0: an interesting sentiment because it's it's this juxtaposition of them getting notoriety or having power and yet biting their thumb at or flipping the finger to the establishment and all of those types of things that you know that fame that they're kind of aspiring to once they have it then they're kind of like turning their back or, or judging the other stuff it just kind of seemed a little oxymoron it to me but it was so interesting and they did a really good job in the documentary of explaining the technology and the hacking in a way that I thought was very understandable yeah I,
1: I understood it and I don't understand and, half of that and they, stuff. they did have
0: segments where they were talking to uh crypto and digital security specialists and they were like super science and very jargony but they like you know edited that that down but such an interesting piece and so relevant to how a lot of these systems are and you know like if if you think that teenagers are doing this more sophisticated criminals or syndicates are doing scams online in one of the previous episodes we talked about You know, the Nigerian scammers and and those types of things.
1: Two-factor authentication, people. Go listen to
0: our episode. In a lot of cases like that, they are using those funds not to buy Gucci watches and Dom Perignon to pour over them under the floor. (laughs) They're funding criminal enterprise.
1: Right. Um, Our uh, local community college was just hacked they some weird they well yeah ransom weird so that that means that they someone got an email and clicked on something they shouldn't have clicked on and it's michael yeah. said it's social engineering it it you know it is the fault of the person who clicked on it but also it's not the fault because it's it, it's tricksters
0: well and it it also brings to light how unprepared the infrastructure is for things like this. So if you were looking at the larger uh, ransomware thing that happened with the Texas Power Company, I think it was last year, um, systems are not hardened for things like that. People have kind of the sense of it won't happen to me. And it's not really that it won't happen to you. It's like, when will it happen to you? Like I had my identity stolen um, multiple times uh, once was in a breach of my employer's database. And then another time was probably from related information that was already out on databases from other breaches. Um, they claimed disability or unemployment. I think it was unemployment. The unemployment, they the got over
1: $10,000 in unemployment benefits in your name.
0: But it's it's not something that has gotten as big of a priority or the, the issue of security gets Politicized or special interestized, if that's even a thing, where um, you know it's this idea of you—you you can't have a free internet and have things be secure, which I think a lot of really smart people have shown that you can. Um, but when security bills get introduced, it tends to be overarching and oftentimes in favor of larger corporations.
1: Well, are the community college that got hacked? They've been struggling and they were hacked over a week ago and they're still closed they, they, still they just are came not,
0: back online actually. oh
1: are they just open yeah. so they were they were closed for a week their still longer than
0: that which is some criticism locally was that they may not have done everything that they should have to keep their system secure or at the very least to back things up. Yeah. In in a way that would allow you to recover from things cuz for those of you who don't know how ransomware works, you know, they once executed, it gets into the system and it encrypts everything on your computer or infects all of the computers on the network and basically makes it so that your files are there but if you tried to open them up it would be like Jabberwocky or alphabet soup like you can't open them up and they want you to pay pay them a ransom fee to get the information back and in some cases it comes with threats of if you don't pay this ransom we will expose you know your bad things about you that they found in the data or that you're incompetent in terms of your security or things like that and a lot of companies simply pay it because they don't want the exposure and bad press. It's the perception of security and safety is much more important than actually having things be secure.
1: And a couple people posted on Reddit in our local city forum that they had, um, and they weren't sure if this is related or not, and probably no one will ever know, but there were like four or five people who posted that within a few days of the Valley the Kalamazoo Valley Community College hack issue, they had their bank accounts. They had issues with their bank accounts, and they are students at Valley, and they think that it's related only because... If they,
0: if they breached student information systems right. and date of births and things like that.
1: So they were asking for help, and, you know, of course...
0: And it's... It's a mess. I'm glad I don't work in cybersecurity. I'm interested in the topic and so have, you know, tried to learn about it over the years. But a lot of it comes down to if your systems were hardened to prevent things. And and sometimes it's something as simple and, and stupid as making sure that updates are applied to your technology and networking infrastructure and things. And the other part is having... Backups. That's right. Because if you have backups that are off site and separated or matching whatever the standard best practices are for that, you wipe the systems that have been infected and you reinstall the stuff and tell the ransomware people to go fly a kite. Cookie update. The cookie is now into raw dough form. Nicole has yes. like mixed. What other stuff was I seeing you mix in? I saw you mix in peanut butter.
1: Yeah, we had to mix in peanut butter. And now we do a taste test because sometimes with some peanut butters, we use natural peanut butter. The ingredient, we use this peanut butter called Crazy Richards. It's a great I peanut butter. Um names of these products. Um, Crazy Richards, the only ingredient is peanuts, but sometimes I cannot find Crazy Richards peanut butter. So... I have to use um a brand called True Goodness which sounds so soothing and it's a Meyer it's the brand
0: store brand.
1: Yeah, it's a Meyer brand peanut butter and sometimes True Goodness peanut butter has salt added in. The one that I got this week just has peanuts, but they're dry roasted peanuts. And why am I telling you this crazy amount of information? because sometimes the dry roasted peanuts are salty i don't know why they are but they are so you then have to taste the cookie dough because you need to determine if you need to add salt so that's what we're going to do now we're going to taste the cookie dough to see so you're going to hear me crunching a little bit and michael's going to taste it too am does it need salt Um, I'm
0: always a bad judge of things like this. No,
1: it does not need salt. The other thing you can do is if you bake a couple cookies and decide it needs salt after that, you can just put a little salt on top of the cookie. Be like, eh, I'm just going to add salt afterwards. So what I have done is I have a system of baking cookies. And my oven is a very special snowflake oven. It's very old. It's a professional oven. It's a What what brand is this? It's a Kenmore. It's a, which I think is like it's like a, a Sears. It's a gourmet brand. edition Kenmore, so it's it's a big oven. To replace it would probably cost me a lot of money. So if you're would,
0: looking at it, it has like the regular two, it has like the four burners that the top of a range would have but they're split apart and there's like a griddle in the middle. There's a full size oven on the lower right side and the left side there's like...
1: It's a a broiler oven. It's a a really big oven. I've actually been offered money by service people who've come in here to buy my oven from me because they want to have it for themselves. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Have a big hole in my kitchen with no stove? And they just look at me funny like, I don't know what you're going to do. We just want to buy your oven. Like, No, you're not going to buy my oven. I so, love how
0: Clementine, when you're getting the oven all up and running, she lays right in front of the oven. Yeah, like wherever likes- the. She's like strategic where she lays. Wherever you're going to need to be in like a couple moves is where she <laughs> lays down.
1: Yeah. So my oven runs a little bit cool. I have an oven thermometer. If you don't have one you should buy one. I'll put a link in my blog, in the blog. Um, An oven thermometer will save you a lot of pain and misery. You can take your oven's temperature. How exciting is that? I know that my oven runs a little bit cool, so when the temperature of the recipe says bake at 350, I know that baking it at 350, it's going to take a little bit longer. I also know that my oven heats a little bit. I'm, this is gonna not sound right. It heats from the bottom, but it heats hotter from the bottom, so things will burn very, very quickly. So I always put a a pan underneath the cookies. Kind
0: Which, of deflect the heat, so it's got like a heat yes. a cookie shield, and then there's another cookie sheet above it.
1: And that's not going to make sense to anyone who does not have a very old stove. I think the stove is from the 80s. and It's
0: a vintage stove. It
1: really is. So if you don't have an old stove, you're going to be thinking, Nicole has lost her mind. She is crazy. I'm not crazy, but this is what works for me. I know, and I've written on this recipe... Bake for five minutes, rotate, bake for four minutes. These cookies will be perfect at nine minutes. And the recipe itself says bake for 12 to 14 minutes. If I did that, these cookies would be way overdone. I'm just saying mileage may vary. You might need to bake them for 14 minutes.
0: This is a case where if somebody like me who's very prone to just follow the recipe, I would wind up with burnt cookies after all of the effort.
1: Yeah, my advice... Do one test cookie. I always bake a test cookie and just see what you're going to end up with after one. And then you'll know and you can bake the rest of them perfectly.
0: That one test cookie is an offering to the oven gods to seek their blessing so that future generations of cookies that will soon follow are spared.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and then after the one cookie, you'll know too if the cookie tastes okay and if you need to add anything to the batter you might need to add more salts i don't know you might need to adjust it a little you can play with the dough a little bit still
0: so what happens next with this does it um, they get plopped onto a cookie we sheet.
1: we have to get cookie sheets out of the the cookie sheet cupboard so this is going to be a little noisy okay that wasn't as noisy as i thought it was going to be all right and then you ask clementine to move there you <laughs> good go good girl Clem. good job Clem. And then you get your parchment paper out and you get your cookie scoop out if you don't have cookie scoops don't be like me don't be cheap i spent the first 17 years of my life thinking i didn't need cookie scoops i was wrong you need cookie scoops just buy them just spend the 20 dollars buy the stupid cookie scoops you need cookie scoops just trust me you need the stupid cookie scoops. That is my that's my opinion on cookie scoops.
0: So that was a buy recommendation on the scoops.
1: Yes, just buy the stupid cookie scoops. <laughs> I'll put a link. Just buy them. Just so trust me.
0: Here goes the first test scoop of... Uh...
1: Well, okay. I actually don't need to do a test cookie because I've made these so many times. Because
0: you're a badass, you know. What's no, on.
1: if it was a new recipe, I would need to do a test cookie. But because I've made them, I don't need to. Um, some of these, yeah. Okay, so this one you have to freeze. A lot of ketogenic recipes, you have to freeze the dough. And I forgot that this one you do have to freeze. So you have to scoop out the dough, press down with a fork, and freeze for 15 minutes prior to baking. I love ketogenic cookie recipes. They're, they're so much fun to make. So you scoop out the dough with your cookie scoop, which makes it 9 million times easier. And you squash it with a fork to make those pretty. I'm making peanut butter cookie crisscrosses and you shove it in the freezer for 15 minutes don't skip don't skip the freezer step all these
0: steps remind me of like classic nintendo games and like the konami code where it's like up up down down left right left left, B, A, select start and you would get like a bunch of free lives or some kind of special powers but you have to do this special sequence of warm up the eggs chill down (laughs) The cookie dough for 15 minutes. Bring it back up.
1: Yeah, don't skip the freezer step. I know you're going to think, oh, I don't need to put it in the freezer. That's just ridiculous.
0: You would be wrong.
1: It's not ridiculous. Just trust me on this one. Um, Yeah, so that's it. And then you bake it, and then you have peanut butter cookies, which will probably last by the end of the day tomorrow, they'll be gone.
0: So we've hit a dozen of these now on the, the sheet, and it looks like we're going to fit a couple more. In oh, your...
1: no, I'm just going to load the tray up as much as it'll go because oh. then I can freeze them all at once.
0: Ah, science.
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, what else did we – oh, yeah, we watched um, – while I'm doing this, we're going to talk about a show that I am unsure of.
0: Yeah, you're not as much a fan of it yet, but I am. Um... I
1: have to figure this out. I have to, I have to know – I don't know about this show.
0: For people who... I don't know, were growing up or were, you know, in their younger than 30-something range in, like, the 1988 to 1992 region of time, there was a sketch comedy show that was really beloved by a lot of people. It was called The Kids in the Hall. Um, And they kind of became a cult classic. They had a lot of bits that people really loved and still quote today if they're fans of the show. Um, they like were, what?
1: What did they still quote?
0: <laughs> well, you wouldn't recognize it, but... I know,
1: but tell me one of them.
0: There uh, is a guy who um, looks through his hands at people and he, like, is kind of like perspective of, like, if you're looking between your thumb and your index finger at people and he's looking at their head with one eye open and saying, oh, you know, how are you today, Mr. So-and-so Fancy Dress? Like, oh no, I crushed your head. You know, like crushing buildings and things like that, which if you're not familiar with it, you're like oh, I believe you. I'm just curious to that's know. That's so funny. But like Crush Your Head is one of the bits that they did. Crush Your Head. They had okay. a bit called Chicken Lady. And um, one of the ones that for whatever reason, I, I think for me, part of why they were funny at the time is they would take something to an extreme. And for some reason, that's something that I find funny is if you take something and you do it and then you do it to another level and it gets sillier and sillier that that yields funny for me and one of the uh, things they had was a guy who was at some kind of conference for the you know there's professional speakers telling people how to be good at business and everything and they're sitting having dinner and the guy is talking to people and was like what was it mother always said and he like it, it cuts in close to him and he's like never throw salt in your eyes and he's like yeah never and this is like you're hearing the dialogue in his head never throw salt in your never throw throw salt in your eyes he like dyslexically mixes it up and so he throws salt in his eyes and like screams in pain and it's just it's silly it's not funny that the guy's hurting but it's the silliness the um ridiculousness of it so and there's a lot of other bits that they did. They they really kind of pushed the limits and boundaries of sketch comedy at the time.
1: And I, so for those of you who had never heard of it, I thought Kids in the Hall was, first of all, a children's show. <laughs> and secondly, I thought it was a Canadian children's show. Well, you got the Canadian part right. I'm going to tell you, it is neither of those things. Well, I mean, Canadian. Well, the,
0: the original series was broadcast on... Uh, broadcast TV and cable networks. So it. Yeah,
1: but it's you know, a, a Lauren Michaels show, right? Well, it's
0: produced by Lauren Michaels. That's the interesting part. They were a troupe um, up in Canada. Originally, it had two members, and they uh, got connected with other people and were doing these shows. And talent from Saturday Night Live, talent scouts, heard about it and saw a wave of reviews and then wanted to come and see it. And initially, because they weren't thinking, they are just like, "Well, good luck because we're sold out. We don't have tickets. We can comp you, <laughs> or uh-huh. whatever." So they initially said, and I only know this because they've been doing kind of the media circuit with the release of their new, their new stuff.
1: show. Okay,
0: um, but yeah, Lauren Michaels uh, helped produce it and helped them to get big. And like the uh, like Dave Foley, who was one of the founding members of it went on to be hugely popular in news radio along with Phil Hartman and a couple other really famous people. Joe Rogan was on that show really? before he became a podcaster and everything. An
1: insane person?
0: <laughs> and, um, I didn't
1: realize Joe Rogan was on yeah, it. Yeah,
0: Joe Rogan played the audio uh, engineer for the radio station in news radio. Small world, small connections and everything, but, like, they continue to be really talented. They're really well-known in in the comedy world, and so they—it was a big deal. They came out with a new season of their show, and it's been, like, 30 years or something like that. And I—it's been so long since I've seen it, I can't remember what the last episodes are. I think I first got exposed to it when it was probably in its third or fourth season, because, like, they changed— the show intros and I was looking on on YouTube at the, the different intros sequences that they had. They've always had the same kind of iconic kind of you know beach guitar sounding theme song which I absolutely love and probably is what drew me into the show originally. Yeah. I liked the theme song so I watched the show. The cookies are being transported now down to the freezer. All Downstairs right. they go. I'm
1: gonna take them to the freezer. Here we go, downstairs.
0: This is something that I think neither of us thought that we would have when we were young and thinking about growing up and everything, but we have a you know, half-size, full sized freezer. Maybe
1: you didn't. In the basement. We had a freezer. We had a... <laughs> we had a
0: her, her family had freezers, mine did not. We just had a refrigerator with a standard-size freezer.
1: Yeah, we had a, I think, I'll have to check with my parents. Yeah, we had an extra freezer. Yeah, we had an extra freezer. I think that's because my parents entertained a lot.
0: And the important tip on a freezer is don't buy them new. Buy them used off Craigslist.
1: Yeah, and have and tell your tale of woe to the nice guy who you buy it from and he'll deliver it for you, to you for free. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nicole knows how to get a deal. So I, on YouTube, caught an interview. Um, I think it was Jimmy Fallon or one of the late night show hosts had the cast of the kids in the hall on, and it's great because all five members are still alive and still active. And the final season, evidently, they close things out by having um, the five people essentially get buried in a grave together.
1: I wondered about that, and yeah, because the they dug them up.
0: opens up with them being dug out of the grave, but rather than them being like you know in their 20s like they were at the time, they're 40 something, 50 something, they're, they're older, they've got gray hair, they're old men now. Um, and I'm kind of iffy on if I love the new series or not. I'm, I love that there's more of it, but I think sometimes a show is really great because of the time and the place when you first saw it. So like I saw this series when I was a teenager, when I was going into high school. And that's, you know, kind of a magic time in a lot of people's lives of pop culture and things that they get involved with and see. The thing that shocked me a little bit about the new series is that with it not being recorded and developed for broadcast television, they have a lot more adult or sexually themed jokes a
1: lot like oh my gosh there
0: there is full frontal nudity in it of the males I i don't care if men or women are naked on camera but you know the united states tends to get in a fluff about showing uh full frontal male nudity and in like i think the first episode two of the leading guys are like nude the the whole spoiler alert spoiler alert the scenario is the two characters go and rob like a bank or a store. And then they think, oh, no, the cops are going to come and get the, uh, us. How can we prevent them from recognizing us? And their solution was, we'll take our clothes off. And then, you know, because they're looking for people who have clothes on. So if we're naked, they won't think that we're the ones who did the robbery. And then hilarity ensues from that.
1: And we are not prudes in our house by any stretch of the imagination, but there was a skit in like the third episode, the second or third episode. I could not watch the end of it. It was so graphic. Which one
0: was this? I don't remember the
1: Zoom call with the the employees. Oh,
0: I didn't. Think I that could was not big deal.
1: watch the end of it. It was so.
0: I, so that one, there wasn't any nudity on there it. I think wasn't for any you, nudity. the concern was what was happening as part of the Zoom call. And
1: I'm not going to discuss it because we're trying to be a not family-friendly show, but like <laughs> a family-friendly show. It, you will have to watch it. If you have Amazon Prime, I will link to the episode. It's just, I don't know. This is, I humor. this is clickbait. I guess this is clickbait. I just did not... I, I felt uncomfortable. I it, felt awkward.
0: It's, it's the type of humor that tests people's boundaries. Yeah, so it
1: tested mine, that's for sure.
0: They set up a premise. They do that. Then they go over the line. Then they go a little bit further. And then they kind of let it hang out there for a bit. And then hang out? They that was going. just...
1: They went too far. They went way too far.
0: So that doesn't trigger the funny reaction for Nicole, at least. Me? I actually thought that that skit was funny. <laughs>
1: I, it was funny to a point, and then it just got... It
0: got creepy for you.
1: It got creepy. Yeah, that's the right word. It got creepy weird. I thought, this is not right. This is not right at all.
0: And we've, um, we've... There's a couple of the old seasons that are available on streaming, so we've watched some of those, and I think Nicole is graciously watching them with me and is not really digging it that much. Um, some of them, at least the early seasons... Are not nearly as funny I, I think it's one of those things where as you get familiar with the characters and some of the recurring bits it grows on you or it was just something magical about that particular time and place and the stuff that they joke about and find funny at that time doesn't carry over but that's i think that's part of the, the debate of the cancel culture and and everything else is that particularly in the comedian community that Comedy has always kind of pushed the limits on things like that, but it typically did it in the context of club circuits, pre-cell phones, where if somebody did a joke that was offensive or bombed, it didn't become headline news the next day and people, you know, boycotted them. And comedy, I think, is kind of an art form and it's it's a performance art that gets honed and developed over time. So it's it's just interesting to see how things that would have been funny aren't anymore. Um, And and there are things that I found funny when I was younger that I don't find funny now. Like I uh, personally like when the whole Russian-Ukraine thing started to happen and some of the late-night show hosts for jokes started doing kind of cliched Russian accents and that actually made me feel a little bit uncomfortable, similar to, you know, doing uh, an, an Asian accent or you know, caricature of voices. I'm not sure that's funny anymore, and respectful or appropriate. So it's it's interesting how culture and humor have changed. It got deeper than I thought <laughs> in that. So we we covered the gambit of highway autonomous driving, uh, hackers and Twitters and comedy and deep philosophical issues about what's funny, what's not, what's socially acceptable. I'm glad that at the end of this we get to have cookies or I get to have cookies.
1: Right. So that's that's about it. That's, that's what we watch. That's what we've been watching. We're going to grill later. We're doing hamburgers. We're having bacon cheeseburgers and brats. Chicken brats. Not regular brats. Chicken brats. They're really good. And that about sums it up. We're having ice cream cake, too. Uh, ice ice cream. cream cake with chocolate ganache. It's... Um, Life's rough. Ketogenic ice cream cake. Sugar-free. But it's still very good. And, yeah. that's That's all we're doing.
0: So thanks for hanging out with us thanks for baking cookies with us um let us know if you liked this experimental format or not and uh, we'll catch you next time toodles
1: bye